You're listening to the Sound Defense Alliance podcast. Welcome back to the Sound Defense Alliance podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Tara. We've had two episodes so far focusing on the environmental impacts of the Growler Jets, and we're going to continue by learning about the impact of the Jets on the Olympic National Park and the people that visit it. Our guest is Rob Smith, the Northwest Regional Director for the National Parks Conservation Association, a nonprofit organization which has advocated for protecting our national parks for more than a century. Rob shares how the National Parks Conservation Association and concerned local residents became aware of the Navy planning to fly jets over the Olympic National Park and how he got involved with the Growler Jet Noise issue and the Sound Defense Alliance. Well, it really goes back to about eight years ago when there was a little notice that the Navy published in a tiny newspaper and post office in Forks, Washington, that people saw and said, hey, they're planning to do something different and fly planes over the Olympics here. We ought to get more involved in that. It also became clear that the issue of the Navy jet noise was a growing issue, but it had been just seen as a few people in a few places that are bothered. But it seemed like their problems are shared by other people in other places. So previous to the Sound Defense Alliance, it seemed like some individuals were concerned with the formation of the Sound Defense Alliance. It became clear that there was a whole network of people throughout Puget Sound and over the Olympics that were concerned about the increasing presence of Navy jet noise. And then simply going out to hear it myself, both to Whidbey Island and to the west side of the Olympics, it's very pervasive, certainly during the week. They don't do it on the weekends typically, but when you hear it and sometimes see it, you say, this is not something that should be where people live and in a national park. So it seemed like there was some action called for, and we're the National Parks Protection Group, so we thought we should step forward. National parks are designed to be protected areas where visitors can escape for recreation and relaxation. But as you'll hear from Rob, the Growler jets flying over the park greatly disrupt that experience. They fly a little bit higher than they do on Whidbey Island, which is over communities, but sometimes you can't see them because it can be cloudy or hazy out there. But it is an unpredictable intrusion on what should be a national park natural experience where you're listening to bird sounds, you're enjoying a hike, you've driven perhaps three and a half hours to get there and expect a wilderness type experience. It is in fact wilderness, a a world heritage site actually, it's so special. And then it sounds like you're next to an airport, kind of at different times throughout the day. So it's not constant, but it is an annoyance that happens if you're there for a day, you'll hear it several times, uh, if not many times. Sometimes it's a little bit louder than other times. The sound is equivalent to downtown rush hour in Seattle, because I measured it on a little app I have in my cell phone, and it's in the 70 to 80 decibel range. The Navy describes that as the sound of a garbage disposal in their own documents to try to let people know, you know, in common terms, what the sound impact is. That's not what you go to the whole rainforest for. I was there with a television crew one time that came out to see what the issue was. And I thought, oh, this won't be very much because they weren't there when the crew was filming during, say, the first 30 minutes. And then the growlers showed up. But the telltale wasn't me who was there to talk about this issue, but it was other people, just tourists from somewhere else. They were wandering on the nature trail and they stopped and they looked up and said, what is that? 
So this is something that bothers everybody in a place like that. This clearly just not supposed to be there. The whole rainforest was informally designated as one of the quietest places in America, and yet they have some of the loudest jets made flying overhead, and it's simply not a good match. They're both park visitors that come and expect a wilderness wild experience where they can listen to the wind in the trees and the bird chirps without that sort of interruption. But there are also people that live out there, both tribal communities that live there forever, and a lot of people that live in forks that are bothered by this too. So there are both people that live there, residents, as well as park visitors that are bothered by this as well. A lot of people do visit on the weekends when you typically will not hear it. But throughout the year, a lot of people also visit out on the wilderness coast or up in the, the forests during the week. So it's kind of year round that people have this intrusion. You'll also hear from Skagit County resident Mark Lunston as he describes his experience hearing the growler jets during his visit to the national park. I've heard them on the Olympic Peninsula on a ridge. I was taking a hike with a friend of mine last summer and we were up looking down on the valley between the eastern part of the park and Hurricane Ridge and and a couple of jets flew right over us and that was one place I heard them. The issue has been raised a lot about the quietest place on the planet and why are these noisiest jets on the planet flying there? I got to experience that and it was not at all pleasant. It seemed very very much out of place, like this shouldn't be here. We have lots of parks right near here. There are probably more public natural areas and parklands around Fidalgo Island and Anacortes and North Whidbey per capita, more acres per capita than just about anywhere. Apparently in the Northwest, more or less, I believe. There are times when you're, when you're hiking or walking in any one of the parks, the, the county park, Sarah's Head, Anacortes Forest Lands, Deception Pass, or a few of the others on, on Whidbey, down by Fort Casey. When the jets fly there, they're often 500 feet up. I haven't always had a decibel meter around, but it's not uncommon to get 100 decibels out in open land, unannounced, and just suddenly you have two or three jets going over and you're, it's 100 or more. Right, right then. Another important group that is impacted by the jets is military veterans living in or visiting the area for peace and quiet. Rob shares the experiences of some of the veterans who are frustrated that they can't escape the sounds of war, even somewhere that is supposed to be one of the quietest places in the U.S. One guy in particular we've talked to is a Navy veteran, career Navy, and so his blood runs blue, he will tell you when cut, but he also moved out there in order to escape to the solitude that a place like that has. And yet they hear it sometimes extremely loudly, just in their, literally in their backyards and overhead. And sometimes they, they talk about seeing jets fly much lower than what they're supposed to. Like you can see the top of the trees above them, and they're supposed to be flying several thousand feet above that. We ran across a couple of veterans, just and they've written up in Seattle Magazine, that were actually trying to recover from the trauma of war in the Mideast and needed the natural streams, the natural sounds, the real kind of wilderness natural experience in order to begin finding some peace and settle their minds and went out there on the west coast of the Olympic Peninsula. And then, of course, the very thing that had 
driven them to this condition, then showed up in the air because uh, jet fighters were flying overhead. So they were very concerned that there's no place they can go that is going to be quiet enough to actually quiet their minds and do the kind of recovery that they'd like to do. We've begun working with some military veterans as well, just more on a recreational basis to help them get up the Ho River Trail, which is the gateway to Mount Olympus, a major climbing peak and a great backcountry destination. Almost all the way up the trail, they were able to hear Navy jets when they went out there just a couple of months ago. And they're concerned that you know, they fought for America. They fought for trying to protect places like this. And yet they're being degraded by some of the, the things that they know all too well. So that's not about being against the Navy or against the military, but it certainly is about being for the whole rainforest and for national parks like this and trying to separate those two where there's a conflict. There's plenty of space for both. So we're trying to, I think the veterans have a special voice and a special credibility and a special something to say about trying to protect special places that they have devoted their lives to, dedicated themselves to. And we want to make sure that those voices get heard. So it's not just, not just some people that care, but a much broader section of people that dem- demonstrably care about this. Rob shares some of their efforts to lessen the impacts of the jets on the park and its visitors as well as what the Park Services is doing to reduce aviation noise and how what they can do is limited. It's tough because the Park Service itself, as a government agency, doesn't have jurisdiction over the airspace above it for things like this. So it's difficult for them to do a lot. And the Navy is the Navy and talks about national security. So we kind of start from there. One thing we can do is just simply make people aware of it. There have been a lot of now news stories, broadcasts about this. There are some public comment periods sometimes associated with environmental reviews. A recent one closed a couple of years ago where the Navy was talking about the environmental impacts of making changes to its Northwest training and testing range, which includes the airspace over the west side of the Olympics. And we certainly encourage people to write to that. We provided expert acoustic information. But... It's been difficult to get much of a response from the Navy. We've had to go to court in order to get even the most basic documents of how do you measure the sound and what led you to that? And would you at least look at alternatives like flying higher or flying further away, maybe basing some of these in other places to reduce the number of times the jets come out? But they haven't looked at alternatives really other than the primary one, which is here's what we want to do anyway. It's been difficult to get their attention to explicitly acknowledge that, but in fact, they have begun to make a few changes. We've heard when we talk to them that they they know that people see this as a problem. They don't like to get the bad press, and we've begun to make some headway with some of our congressional delegation, which was at first hesitant to do anything the Navy didn't want to do, but has now recently required them to do noise studies on this issue and may do more. So I think it's constantly making people aware of it, letting them experience it themselves, and let the Navy know that there's a large constituency out here of people that care about this place and the other places that they affect. It would be great if the Park Service provided, as they do for, say, air quality, some displays or flyers or information saying, we're trying to protect the National Park for its natural values here at Olympic, including natural quiet. So I think there's more education that could be done or an opportunity there. And it may be that the park is not involved 
you know, doesn't have jurisdiction over this activity that prevents them from doing that. They do, however, have jurisdiction over commercial air tours over certain national parks, including Olympic. And while that's totally different kind of plane, much smaller, less intrusive, the park actually was given jurisdiction over those where they fly immediately above the park, including Olympic, by Congress more than 20 years ago. And they're only now just coming up with a management plan for that. So that's actually an opportunity where people can comment directly to the park superintendent and saying, we prefer to minimize this opportunity or think of a no air tour alternative over the whole rainforest or things like that. And the park service has direct control over that if they will take it. Right now, they're considering what to do after receiving more than 4,000 comments, almost all of which, according to them, were against commercial air tours over the park. That's something the park can do and set a good example and say, we are doing what we can to protect a, a noise-sensitive natural experience. Navy, would you help us? The Olympic National Park is also home to the one square inch of silence. Rob explains what that is and how people can get involved in protecting it and the park as a whole. The one square inch of silence was created by a guy named Gordon Hempton, who is an individual who's a sound ecologist and actually very technically trained and proficient on measuring sound. He was looking for quiet places and lived on the Olympic Peninsula found the Ho rainforest and with some sophisticated noise monitoring equipment found that this was kind of like nature's sound chamber, about as quiet a place as you could find. He walked back up the trail about three miles from the Ho uh, visitor center and then was just kind of randomly, as he would say, looking around and saw a little trail, animal trail back into the woods, went back in there and placed a little red rock on a green mossy log and said, if I can protect this place, this one little square inch of silence, then I'm protecting 10,000 acres around it as a natural soundscape. And so that became sort of a, a theme. It's an informal designation, but a theme for protecting the natural quiet in one of the great quiet places, which has been degraded seriously by Navy jet noise. So when the jets are not there, it is extremely quiet. When they are there, less so. So that's where that came from. It's not recognized by the Park Service, but they, on the other hand, the park has allowed noise monitoring equipment to be placed on their buildings along their trails. So they cooperate with sound researchers like Gordon and others. The first step towards protecting the park I'd always suggest is we'll go there, experience it, see what nature can do for you and what wilderness is there and enjoy the park. But that's a long trip. Certainly, I'd say letting the park service and the park superintendent know she'll need to hear from people that this is important, that natural values of the Olympic are important. That includes the natural quiet and natural sounds. And in particular, highlight the problem on the west side of the Olympics. We should protect the whole rainforest, one of the quietest places in America, from some of the loudest jets they should find alternative places to do this training. And they have several places, but there's only one Olympic National Park, only one Ho rainforest. So I would say at the very least, make sure that the Park Service is aware of people's concern. You can also try writing the Navy. They do have a complaint line. You can leave something. They typically don't call or write back. But in fact, we talked to a base commander a few years ago and he said the first thing he does in the morning, in addition to looking at the, the police blotter, is say, how many noise complaints did we get? While they may not respond right away, they in fact are paying attention. They don't like 
the bad PR they're getting from this. And so I, it makes a difference, I think, to let them know that this is a problem because over the long term, they have some opportunities to fix it. Fortunately, although the fight against growler jet noise in the region is still an uphill battle, there has been some progress made related to the national park. We feel we've made some progress over the years because people didn't give up and people started speaking up and taking opportunities. The Navy, as I mentioned a couple of years ago, did an environmental review of their operations on the west side of the Olympics. And while they said, we're not changing anything we're doing, but informally, they said, we reached an agreement with the FAA, that controls the airspace, that we'll actually move our flights as they transit between the airbase on Whidbey Island and the Olympics. Instead of flying over Olympic National Park when they do that, they will now fly around the park because the national park is a noise sensitive area. Those are words they'd never used before in any of their environmental documents. In fact, an early map of six or eight years ago did not even have Olympic National Park recognized on their map of the Olympic Peninsula, and now it is. And now they're saying it's a noise sensitive area and we'll make at least a small amendment to our flight paths and say, if you're going back and forth, fly around the park. That still leaves the training area over the west side of the Olympics to contend with. But since they've indicated they're willing to make a few changes and have the ability to, we're encouraging them to look at some options to fly higher, fly a little bit further out, maybe fly less frequently, and look at other air bases where they could do some of this training as well. So I would say the continued clamor from the public to do something has resulted, even if they're not you know, as formally as we might like, they've been hearing that and they made some changes. So I would say we need to keep asking to protect the whole rainforest and Olympic National Park. To get involved in protecting our parks and so much more from the harmful effects of the growler jets, visit the show notes below this episode for resources on how you can join the fight. Thanks for listening.